Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Megan Shoffrey. I'm a production coordinator at Frame Photography and a filmmaker. My name is Stuart Dash. I'm a filmmaker and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office. And I'm John Lines, a filmmaker, teaching artist, and the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. On this week's episode, we're previewing our entire fall season of Film Grain Dinner and a Movie at the Bourbon Barrel, and we'll discuss the OA and Netflix's future. Plus, we'll share some of our recent film and series recommendations. So our film grain series, we feature a huge 16-foot screen. We have seating options include four-seat leather couches in the front and back of the space, love seats and tables with high chairs. Dinner is buffet-style and included with your admission. Vegetarian options available each week and gluten-free on request. Staff at the Bourbon Barrel provide table service all night long. Reserve your specific seat when you order online at filmsocietynwpa.org. This Wednesday, September 4th, we kick off our fall programming with Booksmart. Tickets went on sale today for our entire season, and John's here to preview it. So, John, what's got you so excited about this season? I'm very excited about this upcoming season, uh, as I always am, because I programmed it. So I love all of these movies. There are some highlights but we'll drill down um, and kind of cover everything really quick. And you guys feel free to chime in if you think I made a, a great choice or a terrible choice. Well, maybe not a terrible choice. One thing I'm super excited about, probably one of our biggest events that we've ever done um, as the Film Society is um, on October 2nd, we're showing a short film series called Mad God and Phil Tippett is doing a live Q&A on Skype on the big screen. The tough sell for us is that no one knows Phil Tippett by name, but he's a special effects uh, artist and a monster builder, and he's worked on the original Star Wars trilogy, the original Jurassic Park, RoboCop, all these like huge movies. You've seen his work um, in all of these movies, and he's made all of those movies great. So. This guy has tons of experience. Um, he's Oscar and Emmy award-winning visual effects supervisor, and he's been working on his own projects on the side besides working for the big studios, and Mad God is that project. Um, so, really excited about it. That sounds totally awesome. That's the first I've heard about it. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of all of those films. Yeah. So, it's always that's great a big to win. meet people behind the scenes that, you know are the ones that are the, the shakers in the movers. Yeah. So that's going to be an awesome night. Um, and then we have some cool anniversaries coming up. Uh, the Matrix, Alien. Those are kind of the biggies. All right, so jumping into our September program, as Stu said, Booksmart is kicking us off on September 4th. Booksmart is uh, one of my top three movies of the year. It's a great comedy, coming-of-age comedy. It's the first feature from uh, actress Olivia Wilde. And has anybody else seen Booksmart? I have not. You need to see it. (laughs) Seriously, it is so funny. Then we have The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is an A24 release. Um, which is a great studio that releases great films. It's done really well in the art house theaters in New York and L.A. This is the only chance you'll get to see it in Erie. Um, It's a great portrait of a city and a commentary on people coming home and wanting to establish um, a home and community and the struggles with doing that in modern society. Then we have Rocket Man, which is already selling quite a lot of tickets. We've sold 
Let's see. I think we're about 30% sold for Rocket Man. Obviously, people love the music movies. Music mm-hmm. bios. Bios. Up right now. Yep. yep. Thank you, Freddie. Elton John. <laughs> so, uh, that one's sponsored by the Whole Foods Co-op, and that closes out September. Then, uh, as stated before, but I will state again, October 2nd, we've got Mad God with Phil Tippett. And we have some more surprises coming with that, too. I think I have somebody that will be handling either like an intro interview or the Q&A with him, a special guest that's in the uh, animation world Ooh. in Edinburgh. Enticing. Yeah. Uh, and then October 9th, huge movie in my life, The Matrix. Very cool. Yes. And the Animatrix has never been on a big screen around here. So we're going to show select shorts from the Animatrix before the Matrix and after. And we may have some special guests as well um, doing introductions for the Animatrix. Um, This is sponsored by R. Frank Photography. Thank you, R. Frank. Woohoo. Shout out. (laughs) Uh, Then we have The Nightingale. So there was a movie that I wasn't able to program, and so I had an opening. And there were two really good new revenge films that I saw this year, The Nightingale and Shadow. Uh, Shadow did not win on our online poll and polling our audiences at Film Grain, so seek that one out um, if you get a chance. But The Nightingale is um, the new film from the director of The Babadook. Has anybody seen The Babadook? I have. It's a good movie. Yeah. So this is her new movie. And yeah, it's, uh, it's very raw and gritty and dark. Um, it's this woman who is wronged by the Brits invading her country. And she seeks revenge with an aboriginal man um, who has also been very wronged. So... That's the Nightingale, but we're not done for October. We have a lot in October. Then we're doing The Uninvited, which is the 75th anniversary. Um, This is a haunted house movie. It's part of the Criterion Collection, Stu. And have you seen I have not seen The Uninvited. The original Uninvited. Um, So this is a, a great 1940s black and white movie. It'll be a nice little change of pace for us. And then to close out October... We're doing a little film called Midsommar. Has anyone seen Midsommar? I have not seen you saw it. it. I've Neither. heard a lot of things. It's batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just today, well, we record this on Friday. So this is August 30th. And for one night only in very limited theaters, they're showing the director's cut of Midsommar. It's not showing in Erie or anywhere near here. Um, I've reached out to A24, who are the distributors, to see if we'd be allowed to show the director's cut because more of this movie, I, I, can, I can handle it. Um, so yeah, this, this one is about a young couple, and the young woman has recently gone through some tragedy, uh, and her boyfriend and his friends are going to Sweden for a festival, and they go out to this festival take some drugs. It's a uh, daytime nightmare. (laughs) I like it already. (laughs) What's better than drugs during the day? (laughs) So (laughs) that's great, Stu. Um, So that's October. And then we get into November. 
Um, November 6th is our first film sponsored by Athena Erie. Thank you so much, Linda and everyone at Athena. Uh, this is Be Natural, the untold story of Alice Guy Blachet. This is a filmmaker that was not on my radar at all, nor way too many people, which is the problem. Um, she is, it's unconfirmed, but most likely the first female filmmaker one of the first filmmakers to use the camera to tell a narrative story in the history of cinema. And she also um, ran some of the first studios in New Jersey. That was before, like, the New Jersey studios moved out west to Los Angeles. She ran a couple studios, like, in her early 20s. So she is an amazing figure in the history of film, as film went and became male, more male-driven, I don't, you know, necessarily know if that's why she was kind of left out of the narrative. Um, but she was such a pioneer, and the documentary is narrated by Jodie Foster. Um, has a lot of famous people in it, and really dives into, you know, this woman's story, and then what happened to her, and why was she erased. Um, it looks very cool, history. especially yeah. since, yeah, being the unconfirmed first female yeah. filmmaker, yeah. Yeah, and she's made um, hundreds of films, hundreds of films that uh, you can go on Netflix now and watch a little collection of them. It's in um, this whole wrapping uh, called, like, Early Female Filmmakers or something like that. Um, but anyways, I'm excited about this. Uh, then we have Art 100, which is an Edinburgh-related documentary. So Edinburgh's art department is celebrating their 100th anniversary. And Menagerie Studio here in Erie um, worked with the university to interview a lot of the um, faces from the program and artists that have went on um, in the industry and their different mediums. So that's going to be a cool night. So we'll do a Q&A um, with Art 100. That's November 13th. And then November 20th ties in with an event with the Erie Philharmonic in October. They're doing a tribute to Aretha Franklin. Amazing Grace is the new documentary many years in waiting to come out. It's a performance by Aretha Franklin. So that's November 20th. I thought to program that like before Thanksgiving. That one looks really good too. Yeah, it's like a G-rated movie. So, um, and who doesn't like Aretha? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we don't show... We don't show a lot of G-rated movies, so... Bring the kids. And then we're into December to close out our second year of Film Grain. And we have Alien, 40th anniversary. Hell yeah. I'm really excited about. Totally pumped. This is also selling really well, so get your tickets. That will sell out for sure. Yeah. People need to get their tickets now if they actually want to get good seats. For sure. And again, sponsored by R. Frank Photography. So Woo-hoo, thank you, yeah. R. Frank. <laughs> now, on our schedule, there is um, an opening still for December 11th, but I can tell you what that's going to be. It's going to be the farewell. I just um, am still negotiating the license, but it is also one of my top three movies of the year. And then Moonstruck from the 80s. Ooh, yay. <laughs> You're Cher. welcome, Erica. Yep, Cher and Nick Cage. So this is Erica Berlin's pick. Um, she all she closes out our uh, programs for the year, so December 18th. And that's our program. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah Get your tickets exciting. now. 
Okay, so it was recently announced that Netflix had canceled another of their original series, the OA. And the OA ran for two seasons, and it happened to be uh, a series that I really liked. Um, I struggled with it at times because it's really strange, very unique, very original, true to the name of Netflix Originals. Um, It was kicked off by... Britt Marlin, who is an actress and filmmaker that I really respect. And so I just wanted to bring up to you guys, picture in the future, right? We have Apple Plus coming out. Um, Warner Brothers is going to come out with some new, I think it's called HBO Max, um, Disney Plus. We've got, you know, Stars, Showtime, HBO, Hulu, criterion you know so what's starting to happen is all of these properties that and i'm picking on netflix this time but um that netflix doesn't own that these other services own you know they're starting to take them back like there's no new marvel movies anymore that are going to be coming on to netflix um after this year friends and the office and some of these other big Programs. I'm gonna cry at those two. <laughs> so yeah, sad. Yeah, they're all gonna disappear. Those are like my two right? go-tos. Yeah. So imagine a world which is where it's going, where Netflix is going to be, let's say, mostly made up of Netflix originals, right? So it's going to get to a point where there's so many different subscription services. We're not all going to be paying ten dollars a month for for everything. Ten, twenty services, right? You're gonna have you're gonna start to pick and choose, and the content is going to be what's going to make up your decisions. Right. right. Yeah. So some of their most watched shows are Friends, mm-hmm. are The Office, are properties that they don't own. So if these series that they're creating and canceling after one season two seasons, three seasons before the story arc finishes and you're a buy, you're a customer and you're like, well, why the hell am I going to watch the OA when I know that that was canceled and the arc wasn't finished? Yeah, there's no ending. There's no way you're going to watch it. So if their library is made up with all these like half-finished stories, what's going to keep you, like if you're not into Stranger Things, and a couple of the other ones that they've deemed worthy of viewership. What's going to bring you back to Netflix if the content is not there? And the other part of the argument is one of the things that's watched the most is The Office. If you rewatch The Office, the American one, the first season was a very different show. Yeah, for sure. Than like the Michael rest was of like it. a totally different character. Right. Because they, they tried to make it more like um, the original UK series. Or he wasn't such a likable goofball. He was, you know, kind of had a little darker. Yeah, he's kind of like an ass. <laughs> yeah. So NBC and these other networks that maybe have more experience, you know, they saw where they needed to make an adjustment and they gave it time to make an adjustment, gave the showrunners time to, you know, work through those kinks. But if Netflix is like, well, yeah, there's this really interesting fan base that's really excited about say the OA for example but the numbers aren't quite there you know we're going to cut off at the legs I think that they're hurting themselves in the long run are there what how do you, do you know think? like if there are a ton of shows like that that are being canceled or is the OA like the big one that you're 
Well, this is the one I, I see a bunch of shows being canceled. Um, but this is the first one that's kind of, I guess, affected me okay. personally. <laughs> it was one that I watched. Right, no, I, I got into the yeah. OA too and I watched it. I, I see it other really ones cool. that say they're canceled. They okay. just don't I think I saw Santa Clarita Diet, which is that Drew Barrymore one. They're canceling I've heard that. Of that one. Which I, oh, you they know, are. I wasn't crazy about it, but, you know, it's a show. I, right. the, the problem is oversaturation, you know, and people need to, when I say people, uh, we're talking, I guess, studios and viewers, but you know, find their niche genres and their niche channels. So yeah, the answer, I mean, that's, that's hard to say because right now, you know, I have my Netflix, I have my Amazon account. Um, I like what I watch. Um, I don't watch any cable. I've completely unplugged from that. But yeah, I mean, Discovery has its channel. HBO has its channel. Yeah. Uh, But what's going to keep you coming back, right? Right. Yeah. And it usually, you know, it's, it's public persuasion that keeps me coming back mostly in word of mouth. Like, hey, this was a good show. And then you get hooked on it. Right. I mean, like, it's almost like, uh, in a sense, you could compare it to celebrity and the fact that are there any real celebrities anymore? It's like such a saturation of uh, talent and content and media and choices that people see it for literally 15 seconds and it's forgotten a week later. And not to mention with binge watching now. I mean, my wife and I will sit down, we'll watch a series, like say The New Mindhunter just came out this last month on Netflix. She had to rewatch the entire first season just to remember what happened. But I don't recall having that problem when it used to be on, you know, the old studio system of a weekly basis. You know, every Thursday night you'd come out and you'd see the friends, right? You know, and then you'd have to wait the next week to see the next episode. Yeah. You know, that's not the case now. So um, that's part of the problem. But then again, give the people what they want, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I got to think more about this because. Yeah, I mean. I, and I it's all know. based on the money. Well, they they hold on to their numbers, right? And they know how many people are watching which shows and stuff like that, but. My thought is if you have if the numbers are still so low compared to Stranger Things, which I have to imagine is their biggest series yeah. viewership, say it's half the amount of that. Well, okay, but you have a crazy person outside of their studio doing a hunger strike and people like marching outside of Netflix to save OA, the hashtag save OA to wow. bring this show back. It's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. But you have fan like right. fans yeah. of that yeah. level. Yeah. You know, do you say it's only I, half of whatever Stranger Things are, but if you keep pissing off these smaller groups of rabid fans, they're going to jump ship to somebody else, I would think. No, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's human nature. Uh, and that's, first of all, they're probably looking at analytics, real-time analytics yeah. of people watching. As soon as they see something drop be- below some percentage, they... They're like, forget it, done. You know, right. they're not going to be organic about it or let it nurture or see what right. happens. I mean, The Office was a good example because um, I remember when I first watched it, I was kind of turned off on it, and I never really watched it until like kind of the reruns. Yeah, yeah. and you know, the first and it season got great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Seinfeld was the same thing for me mm-hmm. too. I people watch Seinfeld first. I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. and then I went back and watched it. Yeah. Which actually leads me to the Tarantino movies too, but you right. know, different uh, sort of yeah. discussion. But but to me, that's the way that's Netflix thinking when they were the monopoly right. and they owned everybody's properties and they were the yeah. only game in town. Sure, you can cancel your smaller stuff, but now they're going to lose a huge chunk of their library and a lot of the stuff that people, the pe- go, yeah, there the people go there for. Yeah, I think it'll hurt them if they continue to do this with a ton of shows um 
I think if they're only doing it to a few, losing a few small groups won't hurt them maybe yeah. in the long... I mean, it's going to... People are going to be pissed, obviously. Right. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, like, if they have shows like Stranger Things and, like, Mindhunters is original, right? Yep. Things like that where it has, like, a huge audience, it might not hurt them to the degree that they care. Yeah. You know what I mean? About losing the smaller audiences. I think also when they plan out whatever the program is, they need to think of it. And I know this is probably not correct thinking because they wanted to stretch out many seasons. But they have to have a an solid ending. story, right. an ending, a conclusion, and then perhaps move on from there. Right. Yeah. Well, the OA had a five-season arc. They've been very upfront about that. Like, five seasons and the show's done. Yeah, probably not every show has that because... Yeah, right. on TV, among, they would yeah, go as exactly. long, yeah. and long and I can't even imagine being a, a showrunner and have to be like, oh, man, we know where we want to get to, but we've got to pad it out for, like, three seasons. Yeah, you know? it's that's like, kind of crazy. Yeah, but the OA was a show that they knew five seasons. They didn't want to give them three more, and I'm sure some of these other ones, it's, it's the same situation. They yeah. had an end goal, but... All yeah, right. which sucks because sometimes, like, when it gets to the end, that's when it's the best part, usually, right. you know? That's when people yeah. are like, hey, well, you you're hope. about this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you hope that the payoff is there. And you're like, oh, why not? Just yeah. <laughs> Who wants to kick off the recommendations? We've been wanting to do this forever. Most of my series are on Netflix, so that's... Well, I was looking <laughs> that's at That's all right. Damn. They don't cancel them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think if these are all... Orange is the New Black is an original. 13 Reasons Why, I think, is an original. I think well, most of these are originals. Seasons. They're canceling that, I heard. Well, it's, Wait, what, it's which one? done. They didn't Orange. cancel it. They Orange didn't is finished. Oh, yeah, yeah, they ended it. That was another one was they so knew good. when they wanted to end it. Yeah. Six seasons or I whatever. I cried yeah. at like every episode. I was watching the final Aww. season. It took me like a week. I'm not kidding. I literally cried at like every episode because it was so... <laughs> they just developed the characters really well. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. hadn't seen it for like a year because seasons come out every year or whatever. Yeah. And then I like I was like, all right, yeah, I'll go back and watch the final season. Yeah. And I was like kind of excited for it, but I was like, whatever. Right. And then as soon as I started watching it, I was like, yes, this is why I love it. Oh, uh, that's cool. Because I, I dropped out after the second season. You I, should give it a try. It, it kind of staled out a little yeah. bit for like a season or two. But it comes back. It comes back. All right. Yeah, it was so promising. That's yeah, good it was, to hear. Yeah, it was good. I, I really liked how they ended it. Well, what else did you really like, Meg, that you've seen recently? Um, That I just finished. And then I... I've watched Euphoria. Have you guys seen that on I HBO? I want to see it. Yeah, it's on my list. It's so good. Okay. Yeah. It's about a girl in high school who ODs, and she goes to rehab, and she comes out and doesn't really have – she does. She doesn't, you know, has no intention of getting better. She yeah. just goes back to doing drugs. What's that actress's name? There's a lot of nudity, right? A lot of penises. There's a lot of nudity, a lot of sex, a lot of drugs, a lot of – yeah, not for your kids. Sounds <laughs> like I'll like it. Yeah. Good show. <laughs> The makeup is really good. The oh, way cool. they shoot it is really good. The cinematography is awesome. Yeah, it looks great. It's really good, yeah. It's it's a little dark. Um, sure. For sure. But it's, like, in a good way. So that's HBO. Yeah. But there were definitely some scenes that I, like, struggled to watch a little bit. Because they were mm. rough? Some, like, sexual assault stuff. Oh, yeah. wow. And okay. that's in 13 Reasons Why, too, which is on my list as well. Okay. All um, right. Have you guys seen that? I have not seen I that one not. either. Yeah. The first, so though. I read the book in high school and I loved it. Okay. So, so it's based and then on the book. when it came out on in a show, it looked just kind of like cheesy, and I had heard I had heard like 
not great things about it. So I was like, I'm not going to watch it. And then I finally, like season three came out and I was like, all right, I need a show. So I'll watch oh, it. Oh, it's up to season it's three? It's up to season three, yeah. Okay. So I went to watch it. The first two episodes I was like, not into. Because it seemed like it was going to be very cliche and that they were like, just the way they were handling it in the first two episodes. But then it pays off. Like you okay. see why it's that way. Yeah. So basically like the whole premise is. Yeah, what's the story for um, this show? The main character kills herself. And she leaves, which is trend. not a spoiler. I, see a trend. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, and she leaves thirteen tapes as reasons why, and oh. each tape is like a different person in her high school. Wow. So they pass on it these. Seems tapes. a bit controversial. Sounds cool. It is very yeah. controversial, but it's yeah. it's good, and I think they handle the topics really well. And this is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you got to get through the first couple episodes because the first couple episodes I was watching, and I was like, this is like a high school drama. It what it just was very like. I did not enjoy the first two episodes, but then I I pushed on, yeah. and now I'm, like, obsessed. Okay. It's good. Viewership is going to become stereotypical, perhaps getting back to our other conversation, because now we're going to be known as, like, jocks, geeks, and, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And bookworms or whatever because of what we watch. Yeah. Right. And you're going to associate your friends with what, what you they watch. watch. Yeah. Right. Good point. All right. What else have you seen, Meg? Um, The Good Place. The new... Which Another series. It's really good. It's funny. It's be very funny. Yeah. It's hilarious. And the third season just came out. I haven't started it because it like just came out yesterday or a few days ago. But um, I love Ted Danson. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was great. It's so good. But basically, like, she, this woman dies. <laughs> you see a trend in what I'm watching? Um, <laughs> Meg, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and she goes to heaven. Okay. Oh, but yeah. But she... I don't want to like. I don't think this is a spoiler. I think it comes out in like episode two or something. But she she is confused because she knows she's meant to be in hell. She's like, I was not a good person in life, so she's in heaven with all these like good people. Uh -huh. And she's like, I don't fit in here. Like this is not where you I'm meant to go. Yeah. But she's like trying to cover it up. So she's like trying to be a good person to hide the fact that she was meant to go to hell. Okay, I like this. So it's idea. her trying to like yeah, fit in yeah. in heaven. It's really good. See, there's so much stuff to watch now that I don't have right. enough time to watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why we need Meg's recommendation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's About awesome. People dying in like every show. And that I like I watch. Kristen Bell too. She's funny. Yeah, she's good. So that's your series. Those are all my series, which is pretty much most of my list. Stu, what what series or streamers have you seen lately that you liked? Uh, I did the second season of Mindhunter. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really good. So yeah. good. Yeah. Um, actually, I apologize. I'm on the last episode tonight. Oh, okay. okay so so I've gotten spoilers. up to the eighth episode and ninth one we're going to sit down and watch tonight. That's awesome. And yeah. shout out to PJ yes. Marshall. Yes. Oh, my who, gosh. PJ Marshall, who was on Episode on four. Earth. Uh, yeah. yeah, he plays he a awesome. kind of redneck uh, uh, <laughs> cop, not, yeah, sheriff, right? Yeah, know it all, who's mm -hmm. not about to lift his finger to do yeah. anything. Yeah, <laughs> and his accent, his little dialect, he has so it all is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he filmed that when we were on on Earth. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> what else, Stu? What else? Series-wise, um, Stranger Things. Watched the last season of that. And how did that measure up? Personally, I didn't like. I mean, I liked it. It was good, but I don't know. It just seemed more of the same. Hmm. You know, bigger monster, trouble, what have you. What I did really like about it was the. I mean, they totally divided don't the story. Don't say the lines. references. <laughs> what, what do you mean? 
No, everyone, like, the whole nostalgia things, that's the only thing that's annoying to me with oh, series. Oh, no, it's like, it's nostalgia. Like, it's like, oh, all the references. Oh, they just copied this movie in that old show. Oh, no, I think that part is kind of cool, actually. Yeah, okay, like all right. Like See, it. I'm yeah, tired yeah, of yeah. it. So it was the storyline where they had... Um, uh, Steve? Steve the Hare Harrington. Thank you. And uh, and his storyline with uh, the little guy. Um, Dustin. Uh, Dustin, thank you. Sorry, you're going to have to help me <laughs> on this awesome. one. Just because, again, it's like I watched the whole thing and binge it, but can mm-hmm. I remember it? No. Uh, <laughs> but then the other storyline with the rest of the crew, you know, was a little just formulaic and mm. churned out. And it was like, and then when they finally met up, it was kind of cool. But, I mean, yeah. they totally took leaps and everything and the Russians uh-huh. and, and what have you. So that was cool. But then again, of course, in the very last scene, they leave the whole thing open for season oh, four. Well, yeah. sure. You know, so I think the thing that that show does really good though is the new characters that they brought in are all likable. Yes, oh, like they don't. Bring, Robin was very yeah. Cool. Like I liked normally her a lot. when shows bring in new characters, are like really they just got to keep it alive, so they got to bring yeah. in new characters. They're all hateable, but like. And I the thought geeky all the little, characters uh, were good. The little the sister, girl, yeah. yeah, she was cool. Yeah, I liked her. You know, that's awesome. So yeah, so you know, uh, yeah, it's I liked a part of it, but I didn't like you know some of it. Well, I'm behind on that one, so but I keep watching it, and I I do like the show for sure. Oh, I yeah. just get a little yeah. annoyed with when people only focus on the nostalgia element of shows right, like right. that, and like the Star Wars movies, the new Star Wars movies. Like, you know, they kind of, I don't like retread stuff. Yeah, well, I like see. Yeah, yeah, don't go to there with me. Star <laughs> Wars. I love sell. Star Wars. You yeah, know? like I like the new or the uh, solo movie. I thought it was cool. Oh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I still watch it. Just if I'm bored, I'll be like throw that on. <laughs> okay, cool. I don't well, know. Maybe I'll check yeah, I guess they had a lot of problems with that actor too, and they had to reshoot a bunch of stuff. But uh, you know, I was whatever. What else stuff. have you seen, Stu? What else on streaming services? Streaming? Um, I did watch The Great Hack, which is a documentary. Oh, yeah, that's on Netflix? Yeah, super scary. Uh, we're already knee-deep in what it talks about, and if you have any thoughts of altering that course, it's never going to happen. Is it about the election primarily or hacking uh, our minds, basically? It's a collection of everything, and basically how this uh, Cambridge Analytica. Oh, okay. yeah. It's yeah. about Cambridge yeah, Analytica. It's about Cambridge Analytica, basically, and how they have perfected their process of disrupting any election ever possible. Yeah. And the fact that they've done it now so many times, it's no wonder that uh, the prior U.S. election happened the way it did. Wow. Scary. Well, really fun. scary stuff. Great. Yeah. So just unplug. It's an uplifting uh, documentary. Yeah, it is scary. <laughs> Um, but important. Yeah, no, no, it is. It is important. I mean, you got to be aware of these things. What else? What else? I did see the new Dave Chappelle, which is absolutely hysterical. Hilarious. He holds no punches whatsoever, even though it's not really film related. It is hysterical. If you're easily offended, do not. Even if even if you're maybe averagely offended, you will be triggered. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Be sure to watch all the contemporary documentaries that are out there, like uh, Michael Jackson, and make sure you know who be up on uh, Jesse Mollet is. Yeah. Mollet. Yeah. Juicy Smoulet. Yeah. <laughs> the French French actor. Yes. And then uh, movie-wise, I did do a throwback for mine, which is Who's That Knocking at My Door, which is a Martin Scorsese film from 1967, which for any up-and-coming filmmaker, I think you got to watch it. It's black and white. It shows uh, it. Martin in his early days. Uh, this is prior to Mean Streets, wow. which I actually thought was his first one until I, I did, did a little too. more digging. Uh-huh. Um, and it's awesome. It's really Where good. Where did you see it? How did you uh, it's see on it? Netflix. Mean Streets and... Um, who's that, who's knocking? that knocking at my door are both on Netflix right now. That's great. 
Well, my streamers, I've got a couple documentaries that I would highly recommend. Um, American Factory, which is on Netflix. It's the first one kind of produced by the Obamas um, through their company's relationship with Netflix. That looks really good. I actually, I was almost crying watching the trailer. Yeah. It's such a tearjerker. And it's, yeah. it goes over 10 years too, right? Yeah. It's a stretch of 10 years at least. So I think it's a story that will be really relatable um, to people in Pennsylvania. It's an Ohio town, I think Dayton, um, that they saw a loss of factories, you know, traditional factory jobs. There were, I, I believe, um, like 10,000 people that they employed um, that lost their jobs. And a Chinese glass manufacturing company bought the factory uh, with the promise of putting in a, a lot of money, hiring a lot of uh, the workers back and re-educating them. And it's really a great look at um, the culture clash the working culture clash because they bring Chinese workers back as well to work with the American workers. Um, and the Chinese workers are used to, oh, the other thing is the American workers at the factory, they got paid like $26 an hour before the factory closed. When the Chinese place opens it, it's like $10 an hour when they hire people back and they want them to work longer hours. And you get all these conflicts of, um, like the culture. Yeah, and the Americans want to unionize and the Chinese definitely don't want that to happen. Um, yeah, it's just a really interesting uh, look at, um, you know, different cultures and how they would work together or not work together. Yeah, I'd like to know what the update is on that because, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's a weird experiment kind of, yes. but it's happening, so it's no experiment. So it's on Netflix, and also on Netflix is The Edge of Democracy, um, which is a look at kind of maybe connecting to your hack story, at least as far as politics and elections. Um, this is a look at Brazil, um, which is a country that recently, um, you know, in recent years and years, um, had their first democratic elections, and how um, that kind of didn't go quite as planned, and how the uh, old leadership didn't like losing power, and how they started kind of clashing, and the right wing kind of came up. Now they have a big right wing president in Brazil um, that's called the Brazilian Trump, and um, so it's it's really a um, it's a sad uh, look at a country that got close to democracy and now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I will save probably my commentary on this one, but I highly recommend it. It's from Petra Costa, who is a filmmaker that we showed at the Erie Art Museum, her first documentary, Elena, which is also on Amazon Prime. I highly recommend it for people that might be interested in more of an experimental artistic approach to documentaries. Um, it's kind of like a cinematic dream about someone trying to find their sister. Uh, so that's called Elena. And then um, for Netflix as well, uh, I really love the show Dear White People. And season three um, recently dropped on Netflix and did not disappoint. Yeah, I heard a lot about that. But I haven't watched it yet. I don't know why. Like, I keep seeing it pop up. Yeah. Is it good? It's Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, the people are beautiful. It's well written. It's a biting social commentary on you know, race and um, yeah. income and stuff like that, yeah. And the education system. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool. 
Well, those are our streamers. Um, I guess the another rental that I did that I would recommend is the series The Terror, which was on AMC. Um, the Terror Season 2 just started. Um, but this show is like an anthology series, so the first season is there's no overlap, has nothing to do with um, the second season. I still have Netflix on disc, so I ran it on discs, but I'm sure you could rent it on Amazon. You were the only one, caveman. probably. <laughs> yeah. Caveman. They recently shipped like their five billionth uh, DVD or something wow. like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one of those people. Um, but I do that because there's a lot of stuff that um, is still not available on the, right on the streaming yeah. 50 different streaming platforms. Yeah. But the story of the terror is um, you have the British Navy... And they want to explore, um, try and find new roadways, like way up north um, in the ice. And they send two ships out there, and these ships get stuck out in the ice in the middle of nowhere. And it's about them trying to survive. And it really <laughs> it is so full of dread, and it's terrifying it's like a horror but not like yeah, your like typical horror, horror like, yeah uh. oh and it was so good <laughs> it's got the guy in it that was the lead from chernobyl um uh, yeah. yeah uh it's great that's been our episode you can buy tickets for booksmart and the rest of our upcoming september through december programming including our annual halloween fundraiser a nightmare on state street at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event next week we've got filmmakers shannon ham esper and Corey esper joining us and september 16th we have taylor pratch from the free to choose network make sure you follow us on social media you'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode until next time this was film grain This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.